Good morning. Sunday morning. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Wrong Think Radio. I'm your host, Aaron, broadcasting from just outside the nation's capital in beautiful northern Virginia. And I'm Alan, coming to you from the lovely and sunny greater Seattle metropolitan area. The day we gather with And this is Wrong Think Radio, sir, to our live show that we bring every, sorry about that, that we bring you guys every single week to bring you our facts and analysis of what's going on in the world today, what you need to be concerned about, and how to break through all of the propaganda and just make sense of things. So, um... Obviously, we're coming off of a Thanksgiving week, you know, the Thanksgiving weekend. A lot of people got a long weekend, and that was great, and people met up with family, and they ate food, and it was, I'm sure, phenomenal for most people. Um, But, of course, there's always this weird, um, I don't know a good way to say it. In the last several years, there has been this trope of, oh, dear God, I have to go see my family and they're going to say political things I don't like. And this is like a monumental concern for apparently every liberal everywhere because every liberal media outlet has to write a how to survive Thanksgiving with those gross regular Americans, not the smarty smart elitists like us. So this is apparently something that is being sold as a consistent concern, at least vapidly shown as being a consistent concern of liberals everywhere, that they're going to unfortunately have to face regular people's opinions. Um, Do you honestly, like, Alan, do you think that that's actually a real concern or is that all just made up by the liberal media to be able to find another excuse to uh, bitch about regular Americans. I, I think per usual it's the latter. I think a lot of the, a lot of these quote concerns are never really genuine. They're mostly just a way to feel like they're rebelling and pushing back against the hated society that they are unfortunately a part of. Oh, it must be terrible and miserable. But of course, you can't have a Thanksgiving. Um, you can't have a holiday where people get together, have fun and have a good time, um, without a liberal trying to find a way to not only make it about themselves, uh, but additionally ruin it. And there's nobody better for these things than, uh, MSNBC's Joy Reid. Uh, she had a Thanksgiving message for the few people that still watch her show read out, um, and uh, we're, we're going to play it, and then uh, we'll have some fun uh, commenting on it. And, of course, we'll, we'd love to get your opinion on the chat as well if, if you get a chance. But uh, here's, here's that clip. Thanksgiving, the day we gather with friends and family to enjoy turkey, stuffing, mashed potatoes, and pumpkin pie. We throw on the game, catch up on our lives, and then discuss, or quite possibly argue, about religion and politics. For millions of Americans, it's a day of cherished traditions. And as Americans, we certainly value those traditions. But it's also important to unpack the myth of Thanksgiving. It is a holiday riddled with historical inaccuracies, built on this myth that the indigenous welcomed their colonizers with open arms and ears of corn. 
a simplistic fairy tale interpretation of a 1621 encounter between indigenous tribes and English settlers that erases the genocide that followed. It's the truth Republicans want banned from our textbooks. Because here's the secret they want so desperately to keep. We are a country founded on violence. Thanksgiving. Uh, let's start. There, there's, there's a lot here. But let's start at one fundamental thing. Um, is there a single person who doesn't constantly hear in every way, shape, and form about how America's built on the bodies of natives? Like, is, yeah. it, it, I'm sorry, is there a subsect in the United States uh, that isn't constantly told how horrible and awful and terrible the United States of America is, how it was founded on irredeemable sins of not only taking native land, but enslaving black and brown bodies. Is, 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 there, a, is there a deficit of that information somewhere? No, I think we're beat over the head with that information all the time. Yeah, like uh, I'm, I'm, I'm wondering why they're so concerned that this would magically disappear when they've literally propagandized it into everything, everything. And at the same time, since we're talking about wonderful and sunny pictures that are being miscategorized and, and painted, uh, why don't we talk about the whole the welcoming natives of their colonizers, which was built on genocide. Y you know, they were all killing each other too, right? Like, I mean, if we want to be fair about history, be fair about history, but they never are. I bring this up a lot during Thanksgiving because I think it's a very interesting and entertaining way to both bash on people that uh, annoy me, but also additionally point out um, the very prescient topics. Uh, the Daily Wire years back had a video that was like the truth about Thanksgiving and it covered the fact that native tribes in the Americas were constantly at war with one another would take each other as slaves. And some of them would even engage in cannibalism. All of these things are accurate and they're also like not abnormal throughout the rest of the world. There's nothing unique about it at all, but it's funny because a woke mob on Twitter got really upset and Ben Shapiro ended up apologizing because he's kind of a cock. But the point is, is if we're going to not paint sunny pictures and false history, why does that one seem to anger the left so much? Do they want to paint the proper history or do they not? Uh, I usually think they don't. So I actually have here a book called Columbus and Columbia, which is an entire history of the settling of America from Columbus onward. And it was printed, if you can please give me just a second to turn these aged pages, printed in 1892. And it covers in the entirety of this, this whole period. And it's, if you read through it, the actual history of the discovery and settling of America is rife with wars with the Indians, alliances with the Indians. It's an extremely complex and fascinating story that the left wants to boil down to uh, the Europeans just showed up and being alpha predators of the human species, they just annihilated the Indians out of hand, genocide, and then America happened. When in that, the reality was it was a 
over multi, it was a couple hundred year long struggle to establish colonies, build farms, settle and transform the landscape, ally with this tribe, fight that tribe, fight the tribe you previously allied with, obtain more land, fight the Spanish, fight the French. It was an, it's a, it is a huge chunk of history that they want to whitewash because the struggles of Europeans to colonize and transform America from from essentially just wilderness, wilderness pockmarked by primitive native settlements to full-scale European-style towns and farms and roads. They want to whitewash all of that because if we acknowledge the efforts that went into transforming America from a basically primitive wilderness to a functional real cult country and society, it would allow people to make a European claim on America. And that's what they have to avoid. They have to, they have to the entire purpose of a lot of this is to ensure that America can be cut off from its past that the claim America has on American territory, the claim that Europeans have on American territory as something they created, they want to destroy that because it allows people to say, this is something we have that we built that is ours, and we can object when you want to change it. The whole goal of all of this is to disarm European Americans to make sure they feel they have no claim on America so that they cannot object when somebody like Joy Reid, for example, wants to change America, wants to take America from them, dispossess them of their heritage, and do, and change America to something that they don't want. Right. It, it always seems that the, the primary fundamental here is to basically rip away any anything that could be foundational is what what you would consider American culture. Ameri- Americans, by and large, are not allowed to have a culture like that. That is, if there is one unforgivable sin when it comes to the left, it is the idea that Americans have any sort of pride or any sort of culture whatsoever for which to build upon. We're not allowed to have our own identity. Um, you can't have an American identity. There needs to be a hyphen involved, uh, you know, lest you start coalescing together um, and then, you know, I don't know, taking the elites down or whatever it is their, you know, current fear might be. Um, And this is always provable in its own hypocrisy, which, uh, yeah, like, I get it. Like, the left doesn't have a standard, so they can't be hypocrites because, you know, You'd have to have a standard to be a hypocrite. But the common phrase, which we saw tweeted 10 times by the Virginia ACLU on Thanksgiving Day, is you are on native land. I don't know if you knew that. Yeah. That is a thing that you are constantly, you are on native land. Now, some likely upper middle class, likely privileged, and honestly, likely white college student staffer at the Virginia ACLU is who tweeted that out. Of course, because it, it always is. It's likely some skittle haired round wireframe glasses loser um, who was probably super upset that their family was celebrating Thanksgiving and was, I don't know, triggered by it or God only knows. 
Yeah. The weird part, well, and was probably upset at the lack of vegan options. Um, but at the same time, what are they even going to do about it? That's the whole thing is like, what's, what's your, what's your solution here? Right. You don't have and a see, solution. This is where, not... it be, where it becomes obvious that all of this discussion of native land and, you know, white people have no claim on America and everything's been stolen. And it's all just genocide. This is where it all falls apart because if they truly believed what they say, if they were sincere in these beliefs, then they would promote leaving. They would promote giving everything back to the natives, but they don't do that. They simply use it as a way to complain. And I think that to me exposes that all of this is baseless, that the goal of this is not to rewrite the injustices of the past. The goal of this is to do something else. And I would conjecture it is to shame and denigrate the current inhabitants of America in order to beat them down so that their country can be stolen from them and they and they can't argue against it. That's the true goal of this. If they actually cared about the natives, if if people like the ACLU truly cared about the native peoples and wanted to re-help these injustices, well, natives were here before any of any blacks came here. They would be promoting, well, we need to give back land to the natives. But it's never, it, they never do that. It's only, we need to use these just, justifications to enact racial revenge against white people. Well, and we, we know that that's not actually a concern of theirs because the same people who want to shout at you here in the United States that you're on native land um, condemn anything in the United Kingdom where there exactly. are people who had come out and said, why, why do we have all like, like keep England English or I don't actually know right. what they say, right. but there were well, tons in, of in any countries of Europe. It, mm -hmm. If you pr promoted, well, we have all these concerns about native land. Okay. Then I'm sure the ACLU would promote, would be happy to promote returning England to the English, getting all of the foreigners out of France, out of Germany, because those are the ethnic homelands of those people. They're the ethnic yeah. homelands of the French, the ethnic homelands of the Germans, the ethnic homelands of the British. And they should be, of, if we care about native land, that is their native land. But of course, the ACLU and all of these liberals absolutely change their minds and say, no, 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 we need those places to be diverse. The, the ethnic and the native homelands do not apply to anyone of European descent. European nations need to be diverse. They need to not be the, and I think the whole goal, what has becomes obvious with this is that their concerns of native land are really a mask for every single European descended nation cannot belong to anyone, cannot be the sovereign territory of the descendants of Europe. And it only is a rule for those people and it's never applied to anyone else. Imagine if the ACLU tweeted out saying, what came out and said, well, just like we demand that the Americans give back their native land, we demand Turkey give back all of Anatolia to the, to the Italians, to the Europeans, because Anatolia, the entire basically territory of Turkey was once the Byzantine empire, which was the Eastern Roman empire. Mm -hmm. I mean, Europe, yeah, Egypt's another good example. 
Egypt is currently run owned by the Arabs. But the Arabs only own only control Egypt because of invasions after under one of the Islamic caliphates that displaced the native Egyptians who today are simply the copt minority. They are the true Egyptians, but the Arabs now claim Egypt Egypt is theirs. Does the ACLU think that the that Egypt should be should grovel at the feet of the Coptic Egyptians as they are on native land? No, of course not. They never talk about these things at all. Much is the same you could say with China. Currently, there's a bunch of unrest in China. There's we've heard all of this these problems with the Uyghurs. Well, that is because the Han Chinese are embarking on a policy of internal colonization of non-Han ethnically Han Chinese lands. They are a Han Chinese supremacist government that is pushing Han Chinese migrations out of eastern China into western China to settle the lands of the native lands of people like the Uyghurs and make them Han Chinese. But the ACO will never denigrate any of that, never even ask that it be stopped, never even shine a light on it, because the true goal of the ACLU is to disp- is to ensure the dispossession of a homeland from Europeans and European and Americans, European Americans. Right. Well, and so, you know, of course, like we're saying is, you know, <clears throat> sorry, it's fundamentally and consistently always very one-sided, but it's also, it also seems to very easily follow um, this concept of, oh, you're having a holiday, you're having fun, you need to be mad about it. Mm-hmm. And and this is like a weird, I don't even want to, it's not actually that weird and it's not really that surprising to anybody else, but what what is the deal consistently with the left having to basically ruin everything? Like this, it's it was a meme a long time ago, but now it's too, re- like it's so, so much of it is reality that the meme's not funny anymore that every single holiday we have to get beaten over the head with uh, how terrible uh, the holiday is. What it, whatever it might be, the holiday that you're currently celebrating, you should feel bad and guilty for. And it's this constant pervasive inundation from the media and from the cultural class that the, I don't know, call, call it the, the, the normies, regular Americans have to be miserable and divided all the time. And, you know, it, it, it's just, it's one of those, it's like this underlying fear that if regular, I, I'm, I'm trying, I'm trying to figure out a way to not make it sound super obvious, but I guess I'm just going to have to go to the obvious part. It is becomes very obvious that the elite are consistently terrified of regular Americans talking to one another, coming together because the biggest threat to the elitist control over the United States is regular Americans realizing how much of what they are fed is bullshit and getting smart to it. And that is what scares the ever living hell out of the elite in the United States. So they consistently have to make everything some sort of divisive nonsense where I think it's wearing down quite a bit, but if you consider yourself a good ally, you basically have to be pissed off all the time. Of course. And again, I think none of this is necessarily genuine either. The outrage being pissed off at all these things, 
is simply an affectation, which is part of an affectation of their own war against the status quo, war against what they see as the historic oppressive American nation that they want to be destroyed. Well, and in, in addition to that, um, it, it, it's less that they're pissed off, but more that they want to pursue a, a personal vendetta against everyone, everyone else. It's like the, let's say the meme of the, you know, the, the 23 year old that comes home from college and argues liberal nonsense at Thanksgiving. That's what Joy Reid here called called up to say, like, oh, people argue about politics. The, I, I feel every time that happens, it is not a genuine, I'm so upset about the poor minorities or the native land. It's, I see my family enjoying themselves and I want them to be miserable because they are my hated enemy and they are supporting this horrible, evil, racist, oppressive nation that needs to be changed and destroyed. I need to make them miserable because they are the enemy. Well, and there was, you know, there was also that, uh, like, like last week, we played that eulogy where, um, you know, the, the biracial girl who grew up in the house of a billionaire is acting like she was somehow wildly oppressed, even though she grew up in the lap of luxury, but is so driven by this basically psychopathy that at her father's own funeral, she has to basically push a bunch of canned nonsensical lines uh, from, you know, basically the liberal left, like, oh, you're a hateful misogynist and racist and terrible. And it's probably because, you know, she wasn't given $3 million to go start up her own version of Black Lives Matter that she could then take a bunch of people's money and buy a $6 million mansion in LA. Um, right. But at the same time, Back to kind of what started this, talking about when when we talk about the idea of these, the whole constant fear, well, even Joy Reid had to bring it up, which was um, the, you know, arguments of politics over Thanksgiving dinner. Let's look at this in our regular lives. Who is the more likely group that is going to randomly ham fist politics into things. I think oh, every single member of this left. audience, yeah, every single member of this audience knows the person on the left that has to always make some sort of political statement all the time. And I mean, we can even just do this by the numbers. It is not socially acceptable to be conservative. It is not socially acceptable to be right wing. It's not even socially acceptable to be moderately centrist. Right. I mean, we'll get to some of these stories a little bit later, but there's an entire panic attack that's still happening in the left wing media over the idea that Elon Musk isn't suppressing the right people on Twitter and he might be somewhat egalitarian. Oh God, like this is a world ending event for liberals. Right, and it, this, this harkens to the idea that there are that there are increasingly two different Americas, because I think that conservative opinions, conservative ideas would be in a conservative household in places in many places would absolutely be the status quo. 
But where it's not the status quo, it is absolutely forbidden. And I think that that is an, a development is either people. I, I see that a lot of Americans, either they can't talk, they cannot talk about politics with one another because there's no way they can come to any sort of compromise or understanding because there's no longer any trust and respect between these different sides of politics. And so they are increasingly siloing off into two different Americas that I think at their core really hate and distrust one another. Well, I, I mean... Let, let's be honest, most people aren't going to talk directly about politics, but there are there could be some families this Thanksgiving that gathered around and somebody had to have been like, I am so glad we're finally able to get back together. I mean, come on, everyone. The last time we did this was like pre-pandemic. Like yeah. that's become a thing now. People actually use that as like a reference of time and invariably... I like I can see it in my head where someone says, like, oh, yeah, we haven't seen each other since before the pandemic. Like, oh, it's so great that we can finally get together. And you know that there's going to be that liberal sitting at the table that's like, I just got my booster shot. Are you guys up to date on your booster shots? You really should. And then the minute somebody says no, that person's like obligated to have to act weird now. Oh, right. well, which like, is why I think a lot of wearing people wearing a mask. This is why I think a lot of people are avoiding either avoid those dis avoid those discussions and don't ha and don't talk about anything of consequence. Because uh, the other problem issue is politics is infusing everything. It's like even you can't even talk about the you know sports because all these teams are bending a knee to Black Lives Matter or supporting trans rights, and I think that it's the politic the politicization of everything that makes this so much worse than it used to be. Oh yeah, well, and I think that that's by design. You know, I I think the I think the liberal media wants everything to be political because we they they cannot allow there to be rest, and they certainly mm -hmm. cannot allow. They can't. It it all fundamentally comes down to their political opposition cannot be allowed to speak. Sure. And yeah. their political opposition cannot be allowed to, um, to be to be legitimized whatsoever. In fact, um, I, I didn't really plan on it going this way, but I ha that's the perfect segue into an audio clip that I have here, where CNN brought on of all the people in the world a former CIA analyst to discuss something as simple as Elon Musk granting amnesty. Basically he's hitting the reset button on Twitter and saying sure. like, yeah, there were so many people that were banned for political reasons and dubious reasons. We're just going to unban accounts and start from scratch. That's really what's happening here. It's not anything too amazing, but this is how a guest on CNN and former, you know, employee of the CIA, this is how he reacts to that that's raising some serious national security concerns new twitter owner elon musk says that he is so i'm, I'm going to stop throughout because it is interesting national security concerns so this is a pretty big deal everyone i mean that that's a big trigger word right there going to begin right. restoring uh, well, previously yeah. sorry go on alan I was going to say the reason it's it's a big deal is national security concerns are a loophole into the in the constitution 
which means the government can essentially the way we have things set up now is if it is a national security concern, there's almost nothing the government can't do to compel any personal organization in anything. Like this is what people were worried about with the Patriot Act is, well, if you, as long, if you say national security concern, you have the power to now drag someone to Guantanamo Bay to well, it, it, demand it was, their company be abolished. To be to be fair, this was a concern of liberals about the Patriot Act when George W. Bush was the president of the United States. Right. They it was a concern of liberals and mm-hmm. I would say many libertarians and a lo- actually, oh, it was, it was, it, I think it was a concern of a lot more people than was ever actually acknowledged. I think the idea that right wing conservative Americans had absolutely no care about the Patriot Act being ever abused. I think that was a lie. Because I know a no, lot certainly. of people that were concerned I mean, about the Patriot Act being government overreach that were right wing at the time. I mean, Alex Jones is a considered right wing character. And if you look at the archive of archived footage of Alex Jones, he was appearing at city council meetings and other things to demand that cities don't comply with the Patriot Act provisions. Mm-hmm. He wasn't a liberal. <laughs> And I think a yeah, lot this, of liberal. I think that was. I think the media painted it that way to make liberals feel good, and I think they paint the opposite now to make to shame right wing people, saying, "Well, you guys supported the Patriot Act." I think it's all again liberal lies to obfuscate the reality. Yeah, that 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 was more to highlight that it was a concern of all of media, the liberal left, and all of Hollywood until it suddenly stopped being so when they could abuse it for their own power. Right, but. Yeah, but that is a good point. But let's let's go on. So whatever we're about to hear about is a national security concern, which which Alan did rightfully point out uh, does equate to you don't have a First Amendment. You don't have a right to free enterprise. You don't have a right to free association any longer because we use the magic word to violate the entirety of the Constitution. Uh, but let's go on. The banned accounts next week. That includes users banned for threats and harassment. Musk announced the decision after conducting an online poll. He tweeted, quote, the people have spoken. Amnesty begins next week. And then in Latin, the voice of the people is the voice of God. Joining us now is CNN intelligence and security analyst Bob Baer. Bob, thanks for joining us. We hope you're enjoying the Thanksgiving holiday. Uh, I'm curious to get your reaction to these accounts being reinstated. Well, Boris, I can tell you one thing. Putin is going to be all over Twitter. If there's... Oh, there it is. What? Putin, guys. He used the, the, mag- the magic word uh, for the left. It's, uh, we have to be worried. It's Putin now. There's no regulations on this. Fake accounts, spoofed accounts, the rest of it. This is a great opportunity for him. And so when he's talking about the popular voice, Musk, he's really talking about Russian intelligence. What? Um, you know, the Russians are waiting for something like this. They need a propaganda campaign against the United States and against our support for Ukraine. And they're going to be all over Twitter. I guarantee this. Supporting the far right plans, demands to stop arming Ukraine. You just just wait. Um, Bob, I'm, I'm curious to get your thoughts on attorneys so real quick we've got to kind of break break this down a little bit here um 
because because what you can see here is the painting of the narrative. Um, <clears throat> so number one, national security threat, big, scary, scary. World's going to come to an end. People are literally going to die because Elon Musk isn't banning the right people. Um, mind you, it's been, what, a month now that he's owned the platform and it's really not that different. But regardless, um, in addition to that, uh, this is just going to be a playground for Putin now. See, everyone, uh, the government should have the right to um, censor social media for national security reasons because Russia, uh, that's the trigger word given to liberals that they eat up. Um, it's the bullshit that is served to them in a bowl uh, for them to literally give away their own rights. If you know, COVID is one way and Russia is the other way that they convince liberals to give up their own personal freedoms on a regular basis. Now, Something I want to note, and I'll, I'll ask the question. So Alan and I, to do this show, have to look at a ton of different information sources and to try to get ahead of stuff and not kind of fall into, um, because of how much we talk about propaganda, we have to avoid falling into some of the traps of the information sphere. So we look at a lot of different accounts, everything from conspiracies, right, left, all over the place. I'll ask this question. We didn't prep this or anything on the call before the show. So I'll just ask Alan, can you give me an example of a single um, large scale information subject that can be directly linked back to Russia? No. When what he says, so the, the problem here is when he talks about like, these Russian trolls are doing these things, what the worry would be is that there are people promoting things that are not true mm -hmm. that are going to be a info hazard that infects the minds of normal Americans and makes them believe things that are false to, right. to manipulate their reality. And then they would believe things that are false and then they would demand things in their own countries they would they would support policies based on bad faith well if that is not a description of what the left engages in on a daily <laughs> basis i don't know what is the, the entire left-wing arguments every single time it's always lies and myths truths to manipulate the perceptions and worldview of the audience into supporting things that are not in their interest like we just talked about with Thanksgiving, they deliberately misconstrue the events of the founding of America so that they can ensure people will not support policies that are in their interest, much most like, say, European Americans, will actively participate in the dispossession and destruction of their homeland. That is exactly what the left engages in all the time. And this is a good example of a constant adage you see with the left, which is always accuse your energy your enemy of what you yourself are guilty of in the book rules for radicals by saul alinsky which is the playbook of the left he calls out using that exact same tactic as very effective always accuse your enemy of what you are guilty of to muddy the waters and prevent anyone from actively calling you out on your own bad behavior right well and, and that's that's the thing is like I seriously thought about it and tried to consider what's, what's like, 
what is some sort of, there had to have been one, right? For all of, all of the concern and craziness that we keep hearing, there has to have been some, you know, large information story, some sort of story or belief or whatever that had spread across the internet crazily. And we looked at it and went, oh my gosh, that was actually all a, a, a Russian lie. It was all Russian disinformation. I can only think of one example of a large scale lie that was built by Russian intelligence that was pervasive in the media. I can only think of one and that's the steel dossier. Mm, yeah. I mean, that was actually sourced from Russian intelligence. That's been proven in court. But aside from that, well, was the Steele dossier sourced from Russian intelligence or was it made up by Christopher Steele? Well, that's true. Okay, I mean, the, yeah. What I we mean... are told <laughs> is that the Steele dossier was came from Russian intelligence, which is what why it proved Donald Trump was so deeply deeply and terrifyingly compromised by the Russians. When I believe I've never seen anything that corroborates anything in the dossier from Russian intelligence or not. The entire thing is fake. Now, are we arguing that the this the Steele dossier was an effort by Russian intelligence to mislead Christopher Steele, who was uh, just doing his darndest to make sure that America was protected from a Russian asset? I, I don't believe so. Christopher Steele was paid by the Hillary Clinton campaign, and I have every reason to believe that everything in that dossier is fake because they were because none of it's again none of it's been corroborated it was deemed by the FBI on the initial review to be completely baseless and only afterwards was it get legitimized by direct order of the director of the FBI superseding his own subordinates right but the it, it it's fascinating that we can't actually come up with something the best that i've ever seen the left attempt is we think these Russian trolls are amplifying things like election, uh, you know, like uh, uh, election claims. It's like, well, yeah, but, but the, the election, those, here's the problem. Yeah. All of these things that they claim are, oh, the Russians are, are, are just, this is all Russian trolls are all things that are actually true. Claims right. like, like Russian trolls are, are, are out there like pushing Americans to deny that the 2020 election was totally conducted in good faith. Well, yeah, because any anyone who actually honestly reviews the 2020 election comes away with the same conclusion. So these Russian trolls are going to advocate for, you know, to stop the weapon shipments to Ukraine. Well, yeah, because the weapon shipments to Ukraine are a massive waste of U.S. taxpayer money for a war that shouldn't be being fought that was instigated by NATO in the first place. It's like every single time it's, oh, the Russian trolls want this. What it turns out is a objective observer looking at the information comes to the same conclusion as these, quote, Russian trolls. And again, I would look at the mainstream media. I would look at how their track record of constant and continuous lies about ev about almost everything and intentional obfuscations of the truth and say, well, I shouldn't actually give any credence to this whole Russian troll thing. It clearly is just them trying to smear their opponents in a way that will hopefully make it so normal people don't listen to the arguments of the opposition because those arguments will inevitably be proven to be correct. The Russian trolls want to tell you that Michael Brown's hands weren't up. 
when he when he was shot. The Russian trolls <laughs> want to tell you that George Floyd was high on fentanyl when he was killed by Derek when he was murdered by Derek Chauvin. The Russian trolls want to tell you that Joe Biden pooped his pants at the at the Vatican. The Russian trolls want to tell you that you know Joe Biden's responsible for high gas prices. Right. Well, and and it's funny that that you say that because you can see how this guy is painting the next narrative. Because what was the big concern at the end of his audio? What was his big concern uh, that this guy points out as being the, if, you know, uh, turning into the, uh, oh my God, you know, Putin's going to have a playground on Twitter because uh, we're not allowed to just ban, ban our political opposition. What was the big concern? They're going to convince us to stop sending money to Ukraine. Yeah. That that was that was the last thing he said. They're going to start pushing all of this stuff to convince us to stop sending money to Ukraine. Because as we already know, we've seen it. It's pervasive throughout left-wing media already that um unless you're unless you want to send a blank check to Zelensky. I'm not going to say Ukraine. Cuz let's not bullshit ourselves. Unless right. you unless unless you agree to send a blank check to Zelensky with no questions asked, no strings attached, and zero oversight whatsoever, you're on the side of Russia. Wait, wasn't Ukraine using all that money we were sending? There's at least a portion of it to invest in a failed cryptocurrency exchange that laundered money to the Democrat Party. Uh, that's impossible because we have 87,000 new IRS agents who obviously are going to be there to look for things like corrupt cryptocurrency exchanges that fund the Democrat party. Oh, of course. Oh, wait, no. Instead, they're going to be going through your Venmo account to make sure you pay your taxes if you got sent more than $600. But it's totally yeah. about taxing billionaires, just not the ones who fund the Democrat party. Apparently, because you can literally start a Ponzi scheme and still be speaking at events at like right now, like this week, speaking at events, not in jail. If you, sorry, real quick, if you did anything even remotely like what Sam Bankman Freed did, you would be in jail for at least 25 years. But because he donated to the Democrat Party, he's fine, which I'm, I'm, I'm going to throw a name out there. Hopefully you guys remember that was the mistake that Martin uh, Shkreli made. For those, of, mm. I think I have his name right. For those of you who don't remember, Martin Shkreli, I think it is, was the guy who created an AIDS medication and then like charged an insane amount of money for it. And he ended up going to jail, which is weird because there wasn't actually a law that he violated. They like kind of made new laws just to throw him in jail. But if he was donating enough money to the Democrats, he'd probably be fine. Oh, so. well, certainly. Yeah. The idea, the idea that somebody could donate to the Democrat Party and then avoid any sort of legal entanglements seems very reasonable, judging by the Hunter <laughs> Biden laptop. Oh, careful. <laughs> that, which, by the way, has been confirmed to be true. I mean, it was confirmed forever ago, but now the media has deigned to confirm it true for reasons. Yeah. But, um, 
speaking of false news and fake stories and all of this, so well, sorry, sorry, real quick. So, so this is the reaction that CNN wants to give, and it's over something so simple. Like, I don't, I don't want to jump on every single little thing that happens with Elon Musk and Twitter. But there are very good lessons to be learned, not necessarily from the activity that's happening specifically at Twitter, but the reaction that we're seeing from the left. It is becoming painfully obvious. And I know that the people in this audience don't need any more proof, but it is becoming painfully obvious that the left's number one focus in all things is the need to control information. They want to weaponize speech. I mean, they're objectively, if if you want to be objective and, and step away from your bias, there is nothing that crazy that Elon Musk is doing. Elon Musk isn't no. some scion of the right wing and that's not that's not a negative. He's not doing anything that's that impressive, that amazing, that heroic. All he's I, doing I mean, is saying, "Well, sorry, go on." Aaron, I, go I would argue that he is. He fired a huge amount of the staff. The company runs better than ever. He's running. I mean, he took over a company that was basically a playground for the federal government to oppress and limit the speech of normal Americans. Stripped out. A lot of seemingly a lot of the activists that were being used to do a lot of that censorship and now is running his country better than ever, probably even at a profit, which is the first time which would be a huge benefit to Twitter. Well, and at the end of the day, what's the big scary thing that he's doing that makes all these people hate Elon Musk? The fact that he is operating in good faith. He's saying, well, yeah, we're going to unban accounts that were unfairly banned. We're going to not ban accounts based on uh, capricious political wit, polit politicization. We're going to possibly, we, he reactivated Donald Trump's, the president of the United States, Twitter account. Mm -hmm. I mean, these things are in so incredibly reasonable that the react negative reaction to them exposes just how much the left viewed t Twitter, which is control of the discourse, how much they view control of the public discourse and sharing of information as key to their success. And it is right. simply and on that basis alone that I am very glad Musk took over because it clearly deprives the, le the left of a t weapon that they enjoyed using against everyone else. Well, and that's the strangest thing is everything he's doing is just normal. If you went to an average American and said, should the United States government be able to dictate what you talk about on the internet? Their response would be, no, that, no, I don't, I don't want that. Like, oh, okay. Um, should people be able to silence you because they don't like their politics? They don't like your politics. But, well, no, I don't, I don't believe that either. It's like, should the media work in cahoots with pharmaceutical companies to, keep information, keep you from being able to find alternative information that isn't funded by pharmaceuticals. And they go, yeah. no, I don't, I don't think so. It's like, oh, okay. So you agree with Elon Musk and they go, no, he's space Hitler because that's what the man on the TV said. 
But the question is, I don't think many liberals even believe this. I don't no, think, they, I think no. the, <laughs> as always, there's this increasing gulf between what the media class say and what they want and the things they want people to believe versus what mm -hmm. normal people actually believe. And I think the vast majority of normal liberals don't know or care that much about Elon Musk buying Twitter because they don't under, they intentionally do not understand how much their side how much emphasis their side puts on the control of information to manipulate the worldview of everyone else. They, in fact, are intentionally kept ignorant of that fact so that they don't get suspicious of their own, of, of people on the left. The left hides this from their, from the, from their own, I guess, supporters or what, whatever you would say. They hide this fact because it makes them not feel virtuous. So I think the vast majority of liberals, in an attempt to continue feeling virtuous about their politics and how they and their worldview, increasingly are becoming detached from what the liberal media class says, because it, the more attention they pay to it, the less virtuous they get to feel. And it just, I think that we are operating so far outside the bounds of what normal people care about. It's hard to say that most normal people actually have any good grasp on what Musk is or isn't doing because they are so large, largely so ignorant of what their own side is doing that they can't properly form a response when they're told Elon Musk is doing these bad things to our side. They're like, well, wait, he's just a guy who bought Twitter. What could he possibly be doing that would be a threat? Well, he's taking control of our, he's, he's taking away our control of the narrative and, you know, just and, and, and we need that to, for things. Like, well, why do we need that? I thought we were in the right. They're so convinced they're in the right that when the media class has to make the case that we're losing control of all of the narrative, they say, well, I thought we just naturally were one because we're naturally good people and in the right. And that's why I think the vast majority of normal people, if they have an opinion, they're like, well, I don't think he's doing good things because I was told that, but they don't actually know what he's doing because if they knew what he was doing, then it would break the illusion that their side is actually operating in good faith. Every time I've had the chance to speak to somebody on the left in at least somewhat good faith, and they've brought up Twitter because that's like, like I, to, to go back to my example where, you know, liberals can't help themselves. They consistently have to throw random comments. Um, so I'll be having conversations that are not political and randomly some person will be like, well, I mean, you know, like, like, like Twitter now. Oh my God. Oh, Twitter. And I'll play ignorant. Like, Oh, I, I don't know what you mean. Like, I, I don't, I'm not really on Twitter. Like, like what, what's, what's going on on Twitter? Oh, I've right. heard that it's just like really terrible. And like, uh, there's a bunch of racists and stuff on there now. It's like, Oh, like, do you see stuff on there? Like what kind of things are being posted now? Oh, I don't know. I stopped using Twitter a year ago because it's so toxic. Now, I don't yeah. push it any further because there's no point, but it's like, so you're getting this from somewhere else. You have no, you have no idea. You just believe it outright because believe me, I've heard a lot of these people make these claims. And so then I looked and I can't really find anything to validate it. It's a bunch of people that aren't actually involved that are just being told lines and then they're running with it. Now. There is something notable, though, um, and that is because of the fear that we're seeing from the left over the idea of what happens when we can't gatekeep the information, 
Why is that such a big fear? Is it a big fear because the reality is that when America is allowed to make its own decisions based on its own information, it won't side with liberalism. It won't side with the progressive left's idea, utopian idea of whatever the hell it is that they want. That has to be the fear, right? Like, oh shit, if we let Americans talk amongst themselves, they're going to realize that this is all very bad for them because that seems to be what the consensus is. Most definitely. And I mean, I I certainly appreciate the acknowledgement that we've been correct this whole time, not that I really think we needed it, but it certainly is an acknowledgement. And it's something that is that deserves to be pointed out to some of these Democrat voting Americans of why are you so afraid of Americans having a conversation without you being able to monitor? Well, I think this is another good point where there's a there's a very big distinction between the political media class and the activist class and everyday normal Americans. I think normal Democrat voting Americans think that they support free speech. They think that they support everyone just talking openly about these ideas. They don't realize that the vast majority of the liberal machine is intent on ensuring that there cannot be a proper open discussion about things. Because if they admitted that, then they would lose the ability to feel virtuous in their politics. And that's and and so I think there is this big disconnect. The average Democrat voting American doesn't know that their side does this and wouldn't and doesn't support these type of things. But they also remain extremely ignorant that that's going on. It's like it's they're captive to the machine rather than controlling it. The people in charge of the machine know what they're doing, but the average Democrat voting American on the street has no idea how it works behind the scenes and is not interested in knowing, which is maybe what I would most criticize about them. Well, and, and you know, once again, really great segue um, into one of the other parts of the show here, which is uh, how the media is really trying, how the media basically goes out of its way to sell a narrative and knows that they can get away with it regardless of any amount of information that piles up uh, that takes away from that narrative. This is a supercut of the initial reaction that the media had regarding the shooting that took place in Colorado um, at the, uh, at the gay nightclub, which I believe was called club Q. Um, so somebody went in and shot, I believe they killed five people and wounded like 20 or 25. This was the reaction of the media for about two days or so after the shooting. These people should be able to live their lives uh, without fear of being murdered, literally. Uh, but right now, that's the sort of climate that's been created by uh, anti-LGBTQ uh, protesters and frankly bigots. And you can't take part in this continued 
onslaught of words against the LGBTQ community and not look at this and have blood on your hands. I think that DeSantis, Boebert, they have blood on their hands on this. They have to stop spreading lies. These are lies that they're spreading and they're causing pain and death and murder against our our community. If he's a consumer of the people we just rattled off, from Lauren Boebert to Tucker Carlson, let's get it out. Let's get it out at trial. Let's expose it for what it is, name it and shame it. He's a consumer of these people, and those people should, should face civil consequences from the victims. You are seeing a Republican Party that is targeting, you know, a lot of drag queens and LGBTQ. And this is not an accident, right? There's a lot of targeting. They targeted drag shows a lot, and in part because um, Drag Time Story Hour, where a drag queen would come, it was a, a ubiquitous in libraries all over the country had it. A drag queen would come read a story. It was fun. The kids loved it. Um, and then also some sort of friendly-friendly uh, friendly drag shows. It would be on a Sunday brunch. You could bring the kids. They'd see a show. And the far-right conservatives left on this. In the past year, we've seen 125 either violent attacks or threats of violent attacks against drag events, mm. joyous drag events. This exact same language of grooming and pedophilia targeting the LGBTQ community, it kills. When you demonize someone to that extent and you make them feel like an existential threat to you and your children, it's no wonder, again, that we get this kind of violence. And when you start throwing verbal bombs around, uh, there's going to be casualties. And I don't want to hear those people who are saying those things uh, say thoughts and prayers because they're the ones who are inciting a lot of this and emboldening the people who have these hateful thoughts. And that is a direct response from the rhetoric from these politicians that we've been seeing. Rhetoric does lead to violence. There are consequences for words and actions. You cannot scapegoat and dehumanize an entire group of people and not expect that something terrible is going to happen. I think we have to have a come to Jesus moment here uh, as reporters. I think that the mainstream media's coverage, your coverage of this hor horrific um, incident has been really fair and equitable. There is no inward reflection here. It's just, you know, continue to use these people as props. Continue to use the grief of these people as props. Um, I think as reporters, we got to look in here. Uh, and double down. Boy, you can uh, you can tell a memo went out, right? They had yep. the same list of names. Uh, there was definitely the word, the blood is on your hands. Um, you know. I have a question. Uh, yeah. How much is all of their rhetoric about how white people are evil, how this country is evil, how this country is an evil white supremacy that is destroying black and brown bodies is responsible for things like the Waukesha Christmas massacre. If they're going to I mean, the hypocrisy is as always staggering. They will say mm -hmm. these things like, Oh, well, you know, you need to be responsible for your, your rhetoric, the, the messages you that people, these people say, they need to be held responsible, but the same people will then turn around and demonize otherize and dehumanize white Americans constantly and the country that we live in and the history of America and say it is it is awful, it is evil, it is racist, and it is responsible for all the suffering of black and brown bodies. And yet they feel that they there's no accounting for that. Every time a and and 
there are a staggering number of racial attacks on whites by blacks that is can be traced exactly back to the same rhetoric that these people promote about Black Lives Matter. Mm-hmm. Well, it, it, it is again. It's just that daring, <clears throat> that glaring double standard that they have, which proves to me that again, none of this is in good faith. They're acting entirely in bad faith, and they are using the, the this sort of rhetoric is no you need to be held responsible for your hate of these beautiful drag queen shows that's what's causing all this is simply a tool to make sure that no one can properly debate what they're trying and pushing they they want i don't remember seeing a drag show um ever this is a phenomenon in the last two years out of yeah, suddenly so nowhere Drag Queen Storytime, that was never, I never saw that um, for the past, sake 30-something years of my life on this planet. Uh, only Joyous. in the last couple to have I ever noticed that Joyous. Drag Queen Story Hour suddenly became this beautiful thing we need to subject all these kids to. And, uh, and the rhetoric here, because it, be, because it is so hypocritical that this demand to hold everyone account that condemns drag queen story hour and the awful evil rhetoric causing these horrible attacks on the gay community but then they will be utterly silent and supportive of attacks on whites by their own treasured minorities they or attacks by antifa on conservatives or attacks by anyone against their political enemies the double standard there proves to me that what they're saying is in bad faith that it is not to be taken at face value they don't actually believe this they have a separate motivation beyond what they say publicly and that is what this exposed. And what could that motivation be? Well, there's two options. Either they all love the idea of children being exposed to sexual deviance, or they know that their side supports children being exposed to sexual deviance and are doing running damage control as much as they can to prevent their opposition from making a good argument about this, from drawing attention to it. I think a lot of this stems from our opposition, the, the opposition right-wing group of the United States, is right now picking up a very reasonable case of sexual deviance should not be exposed to children, saying we can't allow our opposition any credibility or any good argument, so we have to come out and try and shut down all of this discussion of, that they're trying to have about should we be exposing children to sexual deviance. It's a it's a reaction to the right wing identifying a real problem. And because they're so their entire worldview is based on we can't let our opposition have any credibility in any argument. They're now trapped in defending the indefensible. And they're only doing it by saying, well, they're violent rhetoric. It needs to be stopped. It's, it's, it's all it's all part of this. And we we just uh, don't look under the hood. Stop asking questions. Uh, and if you cr- criticize uh, delivering children to sexual deviance, then um, you're a, an evil right winger and you don't want to be that. So you better just shut up and not say anything. Well, and they they, they ran super fast to to that rhetoric. I mean, it was immediately a shooting happens in a gay club and they, I mean, they had names and it was basically, if you're a parent who went to a school board and complained about pornography in the library, which by the way did exist, like there, there are a lot of, a lot of people found different books and stuff that were in like elementary school libraries. It's entirely reasonable that parents were like, yeah, maybe not put porn in front of our children. Let's maybe not have, um, drag queens twerking in front of toddlers like hey guys like and 
to be, if we want to be completely honest about it and, and not even have any sort of hyperbole involved, there are people that are like, look, I don't care that drag queens exist. I just don't think that they should be twerking in front of kids. Like, can right. we all but agree see, on that? The problem and, is and this the, means mm-hmm. that you're, they would have to criticize their own side. They would have to criticize right. their own side and that's because there is a faction to the left that says this is good and proper and just and needs to happen. Maybe the, the drag big drag queen is trying to <laughs> promote these events. And since big drag queen is on the left, the whole the, it's as simple as our, someone on our side wants this thing. If we oppose it, that weakens our side. So we need to go along with it because it's more important to have a cohesive left-wing movement than it is to stand up for any other principle. Right. And, and what's, what's incredible about this entire story here is they rushed out to condemn all, uh, magically condemn all of their political opposition by name, which by the way, um, if this gets, any traction, which it may or may not because of all the information that came out, which we'll get to in a second. If this gets any traction and you see someone like Tucker Carlson in a civil lawsuit or Lauren Boebert, because for some reason she was also named, yeah, uh, they're probably sure still, the but connection is there. They're probably butthurt over the fact that she won the Colorado seat. Like they're, they're just Good. still really seething over that. Um, well, and they never so, tell you the lies either. It's like they're telling all these lies. And I'm pretty sure on Tucker Carlson, at the very least, he's mostly just says, here's a pic, here's some video of a drag queen being sexually explicit in front of toddlers. Is that something we want? Probably not. That's, that's, I, <laughs> now, I know. I don't spend a lot of time <laughs> watching Tucker Carlson. Maybe it's more extreme than that. But from what I've seen, that pretty much is the extent of it. Hey, reasonable people. Does this thing look reason like it's bad? And most all reasonable people go, yeah, you, you t- stop drilling. You hit oil like t- no, stop selling it. You already sold it. Uh, all you needed to show all you need. to, sh- And that's, I think, the fascinating part about their insistence on the, taking up the cause of big drag queen is all you need to do to radicalize someone to oppose it is simply say, here's actual video of the actual events. You don't need any more editorializing than that. It's like, here's the actual event. And then people go, oh, oh, God, that's, that's ho- the- something. This is I don't know what's going on here, but I don't like it at all. That is the, it's the same as you can say, do probably do a lot with the same with footage of simply gay pride events. Like, here's what happens at gay pride events. Oh, ew, we don't want that in our town. Oh, God, that's oh. And so <laughs> and I think that's why it's so funny to watch them go overboard trying to defend this whole all these the drag queen events, because a it's an entirely new phenomenon and they're acting like it's not. And B, it's self-evident that it's really weird and bizarre and probably incredibly wrong. Well, and there's there. Well, number one, to to the point that you're making here, that's what leapt libs of TikTok to stardom. Exactly. There's exactly very. Like, here's what the left actually does and says, and then normal people go, "Oh, that's repugnant," and they're like, "Well, no, that's the problem is that you're able to see it." And that's really the problem. The fact is that you can see the horrible things that we say and do, and that's radicalizing people to be these evil Nazis. Like, well, wait, if that's what, so people are becoming the evil racist Nazis after noticing what you're up to. That's a very interesting scenario. Very interesting turn of events. That's what makes the libs of TikTok thing so 
crazy as far as far as like a use case to the insanity that is like the liberal media and and the coastal elite and all of that is there is not that much editorializing that really goes on on like the Twitter page of libs of TikTok. It is honestly, here's a video. This is a teacher at a school. And then that's it. That that that's it. It is it is framing the video itself and then just playing the video, not even clipping it. Just here's what this person is saying on TikTok. And it's a teacher that's like, absolutely, I'm trying to convert your kids. Absolutely, I want all of your kids to be gay and I want you to be mad about it. And then you're going to pray to your false God. <laughs> like, it's weird, gross stuff like that. Yeah. Now, There's teachers you- that are gloating about how they are sexually confusing children in the classroom. You go, well, I, I don't need to have a good any like extensive knowledge of LGBTQ anything to know that that shouldn't be in something taught in kindergarten. And it what's crazy about it is it's just the page that shows videos of these things occurring is called hate speech and it is called terrorism. Now this this goes to our greater discussion point that we're having here. All it is is informing people of what's really going on. And the left is reacting in a method of, oh God, we can't have people informed of what is going on. We can't have them know what is going on in their classrooms. We can't have them know what kind of things are being promoted on their television shows or just in front of them or what the hell ever. It doesn't matter. At the end of the day, the left's big freakout is that you're allowed to know. And yeah, so that you're going to notice what they're up to. And and that's that's the that's the most insane part of it. Now, we had all we had that big supercut where all of this is condemning, "Oh my god, it's so terrible, it's the worst, and it's all because of Lauren Boebert and Tucker Carlson and the conservatives and these moms that don't want porn in their libraries. They're all terrorists that just want to kill the gays." And then a CNN panel literally didn't know what to do with itself uh, when some news broke the other day. Here's that panel. Attorneys for the accused shooter, Anderson Lee Aldrich, say in new court filings tonight that the suspect now identifies as non-binary. In a footnote to a motion asserting legal privileges, the public defenders say, quote, Anderson Aldrich is non-binary. They use they, them pronouns. And for the purposes of all formal filings, will be addressed as Mix Aldrich. So in other words, not Mr. or Ms. Joining me now, CNN political commentator Errol Lewis, also back with me, Al Franken and Joe Walsh. I don't know what to say about that. I mean, that's not anything that we had heard from his background. You know, people have been looking into his background. And uh, I don't know if anybody here, are you guys lawyers? I mean, you know, I don't know if, I I don't know what to say about that. I mean, that's what he's now saying. It it sounds like they're trying to prepare a defense against a hate crimes charge. That's the least of his problems, legally speaking. But it looks like they're trying to build some kind of sympathy or at least confusion on the question of whether or not this was purely motivated by hate. Such a, I mean, that is what it sounds like. We'll wait to see. Um, uh, what? <laughs> like, 
you've been arrested and you have killed five people, but yeah, yeah, no, it's the hate crime charges. That's what you're concerned about. Well, and additionally, like, come on, think about the LGBTQ community. It's a death cult that doesn't, that's never going to, it's a death cult that is based entirely on mental illness. Like the entire thing's about your is about sterility. So just on a spiritual level, I think a lot of these people are very messed up. It's like, is it really that ridiculous to think that there's some de sort of de detached, sort of detached loser who feels adrift in the world, feels like he's, his life screwed up, sees the outlet of, I can be by they, them pronouns. I can be part of some other group. I don't have to be part of the evil white exploitative class. I can be something different. And that doesn't work. It just makes them more and more miserable because they're just spiritually bankrupt at their core. And then you eventually that builds up and there's a explosion of violence and hatred against the world. I mean, well, the... I think you could view a lot of the LGBTQ community as based initially based on a rejection of reality and a, well, we'll leave it at that. It's, a lot of it is based on a rejection of reality, which I think only is going to make you miserable and unsatisfied in life. I mean, there's a reason why the transgender community has a shockingly high suicide rate. And I think a lot of it goes to, comes, comes to the, back to the point of you're rejecting reality and that will only ever make you more and more miserable. What I will say is, the common term that you'll hear in the media here is the shooter is now identifying as transgender, except uh, this guy identified as transgender since he was 15. It's not right. a just now thing. This and this is, is like, something I was suspicious of when I saw mm -hmm. the first saw the, the news break in the couple days afterwards. I didn't see a good discussion of the shooter's motivations. A white guy shot up a gay club. Mm -hmm. If there is anything that that guy could even be tangentially linked to Trump supporting, to white supremacy, to even being on the right in any way, we would have known about it within days. And the but fact that hours, I didn't see that I mean... immediately plastered over the headline, racist shoots up gay club, basically told me all I needed to know. If I, in the first oh, couple of days, everyone only talked to, if it's, it's the, it's the, the perfect, the calculation is this. If after a shooting, they talk about the guns, you, the gun in greater detail than the shooter, the shooter was of a problematic minority. If they talk well, about the shooter's race and ethnicity, if they're talking about it being a white racist, then, I mean, it, it's, <laughs> then they don't want to talk about something else. But that's what well, I that's... got suspicious on. And a couple of days afterwards, they weren't calling the white man who shot up a gay club a racist, which made me immediately just go, I bet he turns out to be gay. Right. I think they knew. I think they knew and they were hoping that the that it wouldn't be released so they could grandstand on the victims and complain that we need to get rid of assault weapons. And then inevitably it comes out, shooter was gay, and now the steroid is going to disappear. Well, and it, and it it basically has now. Um, I mean, it in just the short time between our shows, this show or this uh, situation hit headlines. 
um, was all over the place. Then the information uh, about the shooter being trans came out and it kind of died. Like there was a little bit of the, this is just a tactic to get out of those hate crime charges, which is the most ridiculous uh, thought process. Like, come on, nobody, nobody actually thinks that like you're an idiot. Also they're public, the public defenders. They came up with this great idea. Yeah, yeah. Okay, buddy. Like that's sure. what it, I mean, what it really is, is a, oh shit. We have to, we have to find a way to make this like this, this guy can't be trans. He cannot be trans because it ruins everything. And what it shows is the dogged dedication to having to make this the right wing's fault. Yeah. Like you have to understand that that is the dedication. The dedication is this has to be the right wing's fault. We have to pin this on the right wing. And so that is why you are seeing that that basic panic attack occurring. And it is because we have to be able to pin this on the right wing. We have to be able to make this... In reality, there, there's a reason why. And it has... Well, I mean, some of it, of course, has to do with the let's get rid of guns. But additionally, they have a plan already. And that plan was, hey, guys, there should be civil lawsuits, foot stomp, foot stomp, foot stomp, against Tucker Carlson and Lauren Boebert, foot stomp, foot stomp, foot stomp. If only, if only anyone would want to get millions of dollars and go to these victims' families and then offer them pro bono work to sue Tucker Carlson and Lauren Boebert, foot stomp, foot stomp, foot stomp. Um, which, by the way, you all can thank the weakness of literally everyone in the trial of Alex Jones. And mm-hmm. I hate to say it. I actually kind of hope it happens. I actually hope that these people get together and decide to go have a, you know, some class action, crazy lawsuit and try to push the idea that Tucker Carlson is responsible for a shooting that a transgender man pulled off at a gay club in Colorado, because that's what you get for not defending people that are a little dirty to defend. If you had defended freedom of speech, when it was Alex Jones on the witness stand, this wouldn't have happened, but now it's coming for you because it always was going to, and we warned you that it was. So I hate to say it. Y'all kind of deserve it. No, I, I, like, I, I hope I, it's one of these things. I think delaying having the fight on these issues doesn't do anyone any good. I think a lot of conservatives, for very understandable reasons, don't want to have to f- actually have the fight over these things. They just want them to go away, which it totally makes sense and is understandable. But delaying having the actual confrontation over serious core foundational things does not serve anyone well. So I hope that I, I hope this sort of thing drives these confrontations to occur so we can actually have some closure. Or it will radicalize things further, which again is not necessarily a bad thing. Clearly things need to radicalize more in order to create a pushback against this. And either way, that's fine. Either way it works out. I think delaying all of this only lets the left concentrate more and more power. Whereas actually having the confrontation on it forces them to defend the undefendable. Right. Well, and I mean, 
it's funny because so many uh, people have brought this up, and th- this is this is sort of a, a favorite uh, incident in the media for you, Alan. Um, some of the legislation that exists nationally when it comes to anti-gay hate crimes um, came from what is known as the Matthew Shepard Act. Mm-hmm. And so we have a new group of people that are now diving into the Matthew Shepard Act and the whole baseline of that. And it's one of your favorite things to to discuss. You discussed it on this program years ago, which was that the whole Matthew Shepard story is a complete lie. Absolutely. So I don't know how many people remember this, but to me, I remember it actually quite well because I remember it was sort of shocking at the time. Matthew Shepard was a gay man. I uh, was a uni- student, a student at the University of Wyoming who was beaten and tortured and left to die near Laramie, Wyoming in 1998. And this got big news. He was dragged behind a truck. That was what we kept on hearing, that this poor gay man was dragged behind a truck by these hateful anti-gay bigots in Laramie, Wyoming. And this is why we need a massive anti-homophobia campaign. So Matthew Shepard, after his death, became the poster child of the nationwide anti-homophobia campaign. And let's go down to his uh, pardon. Let me, I have some notes in this. Let me just scroll down to him. So he he died. It's so sad. Oh my gosh. And I believe he actually was even uh, his, he was interned in Washington National Cathedral. So gay man is dragged behind a truck. It's so sad. It's this evil homophobic attack on this poor gay man. It really shows why we need to have a conversation about this. In fact, after his death, we're going to take his ashes and inter them at the crypt in the Washington National Cathedral in a ceremony presided over by the first openly gay Episcopal bishop. And, oh, and it's, and we're going to have all of this outpouring of, of support from all the entire media class because they use this as a cudgel to bash America and say, you're so evil, awful, and homophobic. That's why you need to do what the left says. Well, the reality of the Matthew Shepard case. So this is what I remember growing up. I remember hearing all this and seeing the aftermath and thinking at the time, wow, that sounds pretty bad. Yeah, this poor guy, poor gay man was just killed just for being gay. That's pretty awful. Man, I, that's we shouldn't be doing this. It's not okay in America. Because I was like, I don't know, 10 at the time, maybe 12. And then... Turns out, Matthew Shepard was a drug dealer, and he was killed by the people he sold drugs to, one of whom was gay and his former lover, because he just got a big shipment of drugs, and they wanted those drugs. Now, here the problem is, um, everyone knew this at the time. Everyone knew this at the time of the trial. Everyone knew this in the days after the attack. And that did not stop the media or the political class in the United States from grandstanding on this. We even have the Matthew Shepard Act. So the Matthew Shepard Act, after his unfortunate death, was an act of Congress passed in 2009 and signed into law by Barack Obama. And essentially, it expanded the hate crime statute to include crimes motivated by the genders, uh, gender, orient- sexual orientation, gender identity, disability, etc., We had an entire hate crime act that expanded the list of hate crimes based on an absolute lie. 
Matthew Shepard was killed by heroin addicts over heroin. And what we were told by the media and the government, because this was signed a law by Barack Obama and all these senators made this act, was we're going to pretend like reality doesn't exist. We are going to lie to you about it so that we can further sign away your rights and transform the country away from what it was previously. It, it was a lie. And I remember learning this a few years ago and being shocked and being shocked because I was told by all of these different outlets that I trusted at the time that this poor gay man was killed just because he was gay by these evil, awful bigots. And then it's like, oh, but no, at the trial, short, I mean, shortly after the first arrest were made, it was, oh, yeah, they were all heroin addicts. This was about a heroin drug deal gone wrong. And that was covered up by the media for decades. No, it was not. A, nobody talked about it because they wanted to maintain the fiction that this poor gay guy was killed by bigots so that they could keep beating down regular Americans with your evil, awful homo homophobes that need to cower before the left and do what we say. The crazy part, too, is that there was this long running counter narrative that's like completely untrue that he was in fact crucified on a fence. Like they yeah. literally made him gay Jesus. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, like they, they, they had to, it's so Hollywood that we probably should have known better at the time that it's like, Hey, Agreed. you know, that movie where they like drag the black guy behind the truck and everything, you know, that that's, that that's in the movies. Right. And they go, yeah, absolutely. That's in the movies. They're like, okay, well this guy, say this guy was dragged behind a truck. Ooh, you know, what's even better. Let's make him a real martyr. Let's have him crucified on a fence. Yeah. Well, here's the other interesting part. And we can say this about this is you notice this with many things is where are the other supposed horrible hate crimes? that they could be talking about. Well, that that's surely, always the surely if America is this evil, homophobic, awful right, nation, there'd be plenty of other hate crimes against gays that they could focus on and use to push their agenda. Well, that that's always the entertaining part is there's consistently a, a supply issue when it comes to racism and bigotry in America Every single time Police it seems gunning to be presented. down black people there, in the street. Surely there should be plenty of examples that you don't have to resort to ones that are the very least questionable. Like surely right. there's ones like, where it's, it's like the black doctor who was getting his who was on the edge of curing cancer was just gunned down by the police at a routine traffic stop because he didn't say sir. There's right. no <laughs> examples of that I've ever seen. I've only ever seen examples of well, the guy was a criminal, and it is at least understandable that officers were aggressive with him. It's the same as this Matthew Shepard thing. Where's all these other supposed anti-homophobic hate crimes against gays that they could be using, but instead they, oh, they are we, am I to believe that they just accidentally picked up on a case where they, oh, oopsies, turns out it was a drug deal gone wrong. Sorry, guys, our bad. Yeah. And, and it, yeah, every time. They, they have to Hollywood this shit up. They have to make it up. It has to be completely, you know, fabricated because they don't actually really have this. That's the, that's the whole point is if the United States realizes if, if American, if the American people realize that it's really not that bad, well, how are they, how do they get any power? How the hell does they, they can't black use lives the events to grandstand? 
They can't use yeah, them well, as an excuse to transform the country, which is their, I think, primary motivation. Well, how does how does Black Lives Matter get millions of dollars that they probably invested in FTX or something? How do they get those millions of dollars if they can't sit there and, and outrage people into giving them money? They might actually have to do something. They might actually have to have a solution rather than some cobbled together 30 second video clip that they take completely out of context to then piss people off and create division just so they can make money because that is truly what it's all about. Right. Like these people are outrage merchants and that's all they do. Strangely, they get upset over realistic outrage. I mean, because of this whole gay club shooting, which was perpetrated by a transgender person. They are trying to turn this around. And let's be honest, it's not about Tucker Carlson. It's not about Lauren Boebert. Those are just buzz names that they throw in there for shits and giggles. They want those damn moms that were so effective at school board meetings to sit down and shut up and be too afraid to speak out. They want them to get shouted down and to be called terrorists. They want them to be afraid of what could happen to them socially or professionally or what have you, if they ever dare speak out again. That's, that's probably actually a very good take. Yeah. Because I'm going to be honest with you. That was one of the most effectual campaigns that no party had anything to do with. If we're going to be honest with ourselves. And I, I mean, real quick, I'll just give you kind of an analysis on it. It's where the Republican Party really screwed up. They were killing it with suburban women when they were saying, we just want there to be logical things for your kids. We don't want them to be, um, you know, str having masks strapped on their face and we want them to go to school like normal human beings. And you're being lied to by the teachers unions. We also don't think there should be porn in schools and drag queens twerking in front of toddlers. All very reasonable things. For whatever reason, the GOP was too afraid of being called names that they yep. couldn't seize upon that, which by the way, any person that was running for a school board almost throughout the United States that was running on those messages won their seat, but that couldn't trickle up to you know, some Republican senators and Republican House members. Now, they did do well in the House, but it couldn't trickle up for one reason or another and it's because the GOP was too cowardly. They were too afraid of being called names on late night television. and Or maybe they don't care at the end of the day either. But the point is, is that this was very successful. It's what won the governor's race in Virginia. I'm, I don't want to get into a debate on whether or not uh, Glenn Youngkin is a good candidate or a good politician. I will tell you that if you're objective at all, Glenn Youngkin didn't win the governor's race. Mm -hmm. It was, I mean, he won it in the sense that he said parents should have a say in education. That's all he did. The only thing, what won him the governor's race in Virginia was saying parents should have a say and Terry McAuliffe being so stupid as to say, no, parents should not. And right. just so Definitely. you understand, Terry McAuliffe was the finance guy. The reason why he became the governor of Virginia was because he was the guy who collected all the fundraising for the Clintons in the nineties. That was what, that was what Terry McAuliffe did. 
before he became uh, a politician. He collected money for the Clintons. So if that guy responds with no parents should not have a say in education, you can bet your bottom dollar that that is the official Democrat Party position. Uh, yeah, I can I I can understand that. So the best way to say it is Terry McAuliffe lost the governor's race, and that's good for Glenn Youngkin. I'm not saying anything against him. It's just let's not let's not lie to ourselves. And this would be the best way uh, for the GOP to actually look at how the world works. That's a winning message, but they're too afraid to do it because they're cowards. At the same time, I I, I want to mention it on the show, but we'll get into some other things too. What one of one of the things to point out here is the uh, Balenciaga stuff that came out, which is mm. just wild. Very weird. Because because this has become a battlefield for some reason for the left, you get things like this Balenciaga ad, which for those of you who don't know, Balenciaga is apparently some fashion house um, that's really popular with rich coastal elites, so liberals, I guess. Um, there was a random photo shoot where they had a bunch of like three-year-olds holding up teddy bears in bondage gear. And everybody thought that that was pretty weird and kind of wanted to know what the hell the point was for that. And in the same uh, series, in the same series of photos, there's another photograph where some woman is sitting at a desk trying to show off a handbag. And on the desk is a copy of a Supreme Court decision where there was in like 1996 or 1998, there was some decision the Supreme court had made about virtual child porn and it being a matter of free speech. Now, obviously I don't know the ins and outs of that Supreme court decision because obviously digital or virtual child porn is illegal. But for some reason, that highlighted portion of a Supreme Court case was sitting exposed on a desk with zero explanation. In this so, advertisement photo shoot, which you can only think everything in there was done with a purpose. Everything in the photo shoot was there with a purpose. It was set up as a photo shoot. Yeah, I, I don't. I'm going to find it very hard to believe that even if somebody was like, hey, could you just strew some papers around on this desk? I want to make it look really messy. And someone goes, yeah, I just so happen to have this entire Supreme Court decision on child porn. Let me put that out. Yeah, real weird. Like, it, it, it is... At the end of the day, this Balenciaga story is exactly why things like QAnon exist. Yeah. Because what's the explanation here? There is not a reasonable explanation for these things. The explanation is either they did this because they knew it was going to be, well, okay, ir irrespective of the random Supreme Court decision thing sitting on the desk. Let's just look at the kids with the with the bears and bondage gear. This was... This could be looked at as one of those campaigns of we're going to do this. It's going to piss off the conservatives and then liberals will buy the shit out of our products just to own the cons because that is a marketing tactic that is used by the left. 100%. Right. 
It's why, for those of you who think that a lot of these companies are actually left-wing activists in the idea of, well, you, you, you'll understand what I mean. It's not that they actually care necessarily so much for the left-wing activism. It's that liberals will buy Oreos to spite conservatives because Oreo made a transgender cookie thing. They will do it because virtue signaling is the most important thing. The liberal, the liberal will wander through the supermarket with a smug grin on their face and a stack of Oreos in their cart looking to see who side eyes them. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's why they put Ukraine flags out front of their houses because they want people to see it. Yeah. It's the same reason why in a neighborhood full of liberals and Democrats, someone will put out a black lives in this hate in this house. Hate has no home sign. <laughs> right. Who is that for? Whose mind <laughs> is that going to change? All of your neighbors are Democrats. And I think a lot of it just is like, well, I just want to sh- I want to sh- I want people to know that I care this much. I'm the democratiest Democrat that ever Democrated. Yeah. And I mean, it, I, I kind of wonder if part of it's this just weird circle jerk. It's like, I'm going to put it out. And then someone's going to say, <laughs> oh, I saw you put out the Black Lives Matter sign. That's so progressive of you. And they're like, I know, You're... right? And then they both fart into champagne flutes and sniff them. <laughs> just, I just wish I could be as stunning and, and brave as you. You are as stunning and brave. Maybe even I can't braver and stunning. Whether or not your Black Lives Matter sign is stunning or brave. What if it's both? Oh my gosh! <laughs> and then they co- and then the whole plane stood up and clapped. Yeah, like it's <laughs> no, yeah. but that, that. But for real though, like the hope was probably to piss off conservatives and sell a bunch of Balenciaga handbags and nonsense to a bunch of rich coastal liberals who would all go around and sniff their own farts over how progressive they are. Um, But for some weird reason, (laughs) somebody also had to do like a wink and a nod to child porn, Um, which is exactly like I said, which is exactly why you get things like QAnon. Who the hell is that for? That's it's it's you can't not think that that wasn't intentional. So who was it for? Who is it signaling yeah. to? Best case scenario, it was we're going to do this to drive the left wing or to drive the right wingers insane, and then a bunch of left wingers will buy our garbage. At worst. There is really a giant group of pedophilic elites, and this was a wink and a nod. And maybe they're not just selling handbags. I don't know. Like, I don't know what. Like, what next? Are what next is this? Like, photographer gonna do a do a photo shoot for a bunch of um, pots and pans, and it just so happens to have a nod to spirit cooking. And the whole idea here is that they want to sell everything to uh, John Podesta, like the John Podesta spirit cooking cheese pizza line. (laughs) I don't know, but it's it's one of these things that you can't because there is no reasonable explanation that you would have these a fashion house would have this sort of stuff in a official photo shoot that seems to be this weird nod towards pedophilia. The only reason you would have that is for people to see it. 
and be, with lacking any other better explanation, the only options left are it's a really dumb and malicious, uh, it's a really dumb and malicious advertising kind of, we're going to create outrage and any publicity is good publicity. And barring that, it's because there's a global pedophilia file elite that is laughing in our face and flaunting it in plain sight. It's like, those are kind of the only two options I can come to. And I don't know which is which, but I'm, I get worried that it's, I hope it's the former, but I'm worried it's the latter. And I'm not crazy to kind of be worried about that. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's definitely weird. Now, Balenciaga is apparently suing for $25 million because they didn't approve these things, which I'm going to say is an absolute mountain of bullshit. You pay a lot of bullshit. money. Yeah. You pay a lot of money for these kinds of photo shoots, and you're telling me nobody from your company proofed it before it got released? I Nonsense. No, it was literally Nonsense. in your ad. Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, I guess it's good that they... Though, no, though full of crap they are, they know that it's like, we've got to distance ourselves from this. At least they know that that was a bridge too far. But I don't believe for a second that they, A, were not aware, and then B, it just, oh, well, it just happened, and none of us even, we didn't even see it. We literally just told people, go take a bunch of photos and release our stuff. Like, no. <laughs> I'm pretty yeah, no, sure it, it's that... the same as when a newspaper will release some article... It's like the New York Times releasing an article saying all white women are terrorists because they give birth to white men. And then later, after a bunch of very reasonable outrage, retracts, maybe even retract that story saying, well, we didn't. It's like, no, no, you had an entire team of editors, an entire team of people putting together your paper, and all of those people let this go and approved this. And only when it got into the public and there was outrage, are you suddenly so upset that it happened? No, this was done intentionally this was approved at a high enough level that it got into mass mass circulation and it's the and the outrage after it is what drove the company to respond and that to me tells me that all of this was done with the approval of the company if you actually cared you wouldn't have let it get this far it's so it's so obvious and it's so in your face the nods to pedophilia in these advertisements that you couldn't have not noticed. And that was what it's, that's why it makes it so very, very strange. I can't explain it other than it's either a very bizarre and very mean spirited attempt to get publicity via an, via right wing outrage and a bunch of left wing elitist millionaires will start buying your product just to piss off those, their hated political opponents. Or it's a wink and a nod to the global, some sort of global pedophile elite that'll go, oh, Balenciaga is one of us. I better go buy one of their purses. <laughs> you have to, you have to, you have to purchase uh, one of their things because that's the signal to the others. Um, yeah, I'll put it in, in my. I'll put it in the sh like. I'll, I'll. Ho hopefully, UPS can deliver that and my cabinet from Wayfair at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> I'll put the bag in the cabinet. <laughs> anyway, um <laughs> yeah, like obviously, you know, we're we're sort of winking at at some of the some of the conspiracies that were out, right? Like there's the whole, you know, Pizzagate thing, there's the Wayfair cabinet stuff, like all that. But 
the the reason why um these these conspiracies are popular is because of things like this because people see stuff like this and go that's weird and there's no explanation to it and then when well and to be fair part of the other reason why they're so these conspiracies become popular is when somebody goes this looks odd and i'm not comfortable with it what if there's a group of rich elites that are like huge pedophiles also you know this whole jeffrey epstein thing and then the media goes uh anyone who says that is a terrorist it definitely kind of equates to this oh so i'm not allowed to talk about that which means it's probably true yeah exactly <laughs> now speaking of uh well it, one of the final things that i do want to touch on in the last you know 15 minutes of the program here is uh well, I need to be a little careful with this because we've seen video come out of China before and it was bullshit. So yeah. I'm going to say that now I'm going to bring up, I'm not saying, I'm not trying to sow doubt with anyone. I'm just saying the Chinese government is really good at suppressing information folks. So you always have to be very cognizant of what you are seeing that is purportedly from China on social media. Now, activists are getting better, so there is that. But purportedly, there are a bunch of protests in China against lockdowns due to the Chinese government's zero COVID policy. And these are happening in areas like Beijing and Wuhan. And it is everything from a bunch of hazmat clad police officers getting basically jabbed at wildly by crowds uh, to the police just mowing people down with vehicles. Or, you know, we've seen videos of people being welded into their own apartments right. um, and things of that nature over coronavirus. And there are some people that are doing the work of trying to get contacts that are in China or people that are recently um, outside of China. And interestingly enough, one of the big things that I've seen come from, you know, either Chinese expats uh, that have contacts back home is some of the reason for the pushback is they're seeing that the entire West doesn't care about COVID and Chinese citizens are going, what the hell? And a lot of them are watching things like the World Cup where no one's wearing a mask and no one gives a shit. Yeah. Well, it's and very clear is, that, the, mm -hmm. that the Chinese government is using their zero COVID policy as a way to crack down on political dissidents. I mean, that's oh, all, yeah, that's all for, it's for anymore. They don't. It, it's not about COVID and it hasn't been about COVID for a long time. It's about a way to identify crackdown and control the population to prevent political dissidents. Someone's a political dissident. I mean, think of it. They treat political dissension like it is a virus. This mm -hmm. is what they've been doing. This is why uh, this is exactly the point. They built giant COVID internment camps, which are essentially just camps for political prisoners. If you have a, if you are a dissident against the government, oh, now suddenly you've been exposed to COVID. And th based on all the controls of public life, boop, your phone gets a little notification. And now the police are after you. And now your entire family. And now your extended family, well, they all might have been poisoned by your political dissent. So maybe they show up in the internment camps too. 
and the government can now control people. I mean, it's a perfect example of what, what they want for what the World Health Organization wants for the rest of us with the electronic money, with these vaccine passports. It's all trial run in China. Now, one part of this that's very odd is supposedly these protests are against things that are happening in one corner of the country, but all the protest, a lot of the protests are happening in the same city that houses the U.S. consulate. So yeah. I, it's hard to know anymore where does a realistic and genuine um, anti-authoritarian movement start and what is a precursor to a U.S. color revolution? Right. Because I don't think it's insane to say that uh, the whole Ukraine thing has sort of run its course and it didn't really get bought into as well as the left had hoped. They kind of thought that it would shut conservatives up and we would all just, you know, start banging the war drums. But these these damn regular Americans, you know, asked too many questions and were, you know, too informed about the corruption that existed in Ukraine and knew too much about Biden's business dealings in Ukraine, that it, it didn't really take. It didn't even really take with liberals aside from the virtue signaling, right? Like, it just isn't what it is. It, it's sort of run its course. So they need a new current thing. And maybe China is the new current thing because, let's be fair, the right wing hates China. That's true. We, we don't like China. And if you were a cynical and grotesque intelligentsia state, starting a color revolution in China would actually be a way to distract the population from the failures of Joe Biden while also giving red meat to the right wing. It's almost a win-win, except for the fact that the Chinese government literally owns Joe Biden. But I don't know. You're not wrong. And that is something that needs to be you know, focused on is the United States doesn't exactly have a great track record for not regularly going into countries and completely destabilizing them with hopes that they're going to turn them into some sort of grotesque liberal democracy and somehow really fucking it up like every time. Yeah. Also, oh, sorry, that does bring me to another point of something that that thing that was in my head all last night during the show prep call that I couldn't remember. I just remembered it. Oh, um. Speaking of random dictatorships and all these other crazy things that are going on, the Biden administration just approved drilling leases for oil. Oh, good. The only problem is they approved them in Venezuela. Oh, okay. Well, so that's dumb. Yeah. There can now be drilling and exportation of oil to the United States from Venezuela. Right, but not is, our not from our own oil fields because that no, would, not that would employ too many problematic Americans. <laughs> it's like Yeah, like we we could have just opened up drilling in our own area. That would have been great, but nope, nope. It's uh export only. Um there there's now drilling leases open and it's it's not really going to make up for that much to be completely honest. Cause I think it's only something like 200,000 barrels a day uh, is what would be coming out. And I, I think it's going to take a while for any of the infrastructure to actually be like restarted. 
um, to because we we have not been accepting oil from Venezuela for a while, and unless I'm crazy, well, it is a dictatorship, right? Like, am I wrong? Yeah. Am I right? Like, I, I can't remember. Well, it's, it's a socialist dictatorship. They sent the country's economy into a death spiral by nationalizing U.S. oil companies that were already there. The U.S. oil U.S. oil companies were in Venezuela operating and then they all got nationalized by the venezuelan government so they basically stole stole the uh equipment that was drilling the wells from u.s companies u.s companies promptly left pulled out all of their well-trained engineers and employees and then the venezuelans couldn't keep the drilling operations going because this stuff takes highly educated people to make smart decisions about how to drill your oil out because it's a complicated process and uh, then they sucked at it and the oil production drastically dropped for them. So this is almost you could view this as a way of welfare to the Venezuelan government to help them out. Because we're buying oil, we'll be buying oil from Venezuela. And that helps out their kind of awful socialist government that screwed over American businesses. Well, now, and remember that this was after Biden went to Saudi Arabia and begged them to increase their oil production before the midterms. And the Saudi government literally turned around and said, we are not going to increase our oil production just to influence your election. Yeah. <laughs> well, is, but is think about it. Isn't it absolutely insane that the U.S. government will promote oil production in foreign countries simply at the expense of American companies and American workers. It's like their, right. their hatred for their own political enemies internally is just on full display here, that they would rather get oil from Venezuela than employ Americans and enrich Americans in our own country. We'd rather do something more inefficient because the mm -hmm. oil then has to be transported all the way back to America. So we're basically, we're doing things that are inefficient because it's, further hurts their own hated that their hated political enemies and demographics in the United States. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it's, it, you know, like where, where's that, you know, where's the oil going to come from? It's going to come from places like Texas. It's going to come from Alaska. You know, the, it's going to come from these yeah. damn red States. It's going to come from red States and red workers. Yeah. Like it's going to come from generally, generally well-educated white people are going to have more jobs. I mean, and maybe not and like all the drill, drilling workers, like the roughnecks, do they vote liberal? Do they support liberal things? Probably not. It's, I mean, yeah. I look at this exactly the same way as I looked at, looked at it when they pursued policies that pushed the industrial base of the United States to be exported to other countries. It was done for these, I think for reasons of, oh, it's cheaper, but at the same time, an added benefit to all the people in power was it further hurt the political pow power and aspirations of the indigenous white population. It made it so there were less jobs available for them. It gave them less power and less control of their own countries. And I think doing this with the energy industry is exactly the same thing for exactly the same reasons. It makes Americans less self-sufficient, which means they have to rely on international trade, which means that the that pursuing a course of American nationalism is much more difficult because we are so intentionally economically entwined with these globalist enterprises that we are now beholden to them and it reduces our ability to be sovereign and free. 
the goal is to reduce our ability to be sovereign and free. And that's exactly what they're, they're doing here. Well, and by the way, in case things weren't bad enough, um, just before the midterms, there was all of this celebrating because supposedly Joe Biden brokered this amazing deal between uh, railway workers and, uh, you know, the the rail unions, the rail workers and, you know, the, the rail companies. He had brokered this amazing deal that was going to save everybody from a railway strike. Come to find out, like the deal never actually went through and it was never actually agreed upon. That was just a bunch of bullshit sold to you by the media. Hmm. And that's going to become painfully obvious now because um, they still have not reached an agreement. So it's entirely possible that uh, rail workers will go on strike in the United States, which at this point I'm starting to think is intentional. Right before Christmas. Right before Christmas, we're suddenly going to have a giant supply chain issue that's going to make it difficult for goods to get delivered. This comes after other random supply chain issues that were inexplicable. People tried to explain them to me. I've asked them to, and they said, well, it's because of COVID, except we didn't have the same issues literally during COVID when people could not leave their own homes. We still didn't have these issues, and you're not going to sell me on the idea that we had seven months of backstock in warehouses because that's simply untrue. Right. But not only do you have China locking a bunch of shit down right before, you know, which by the way affects the supply chain, but we're also going to have a railway strike. Like, I'm all I'm saying is I'm willing to entertain the possibility that there's a giant conspiracy to destroy the internal economy of the United States of America, specifically just to make us suffer. That wouldn't surprise me. Well, and then it would, I mean, the question is then that you see this a lot is create a problem and then create a solution so that the people will beg you to save them. Create a big supply chain problem and then go, this is why we need to nationalize all the rail and freight industries. This is why we need, a, I don't know, electrically powered semis. And then you use that as a justification to push whatever the next step in your political goals are. Yeah, let, it doesn't matter if it relates to reality. All you need to do is offer a solution. And anyone that pushes back against it, you say, well, they just don't want to solve the problem. These Republicans saying that we should just open up, say, drilling. They just don't want to solve the problem. They're, they're so focused on demonizing Joe Biden. They don't want to solve the real problems America's facing. Yeah, I mean, are, are, are you going to disrupt the entire supply chain just so Republicans can't investigate your son's creepy and gross behavior? Would you put it past him? I wouldn't. No, I would not. <laughs> like that's that's the bigger problem. But keep an eye out for it. And also, I mean, it, it could be several things, like we just said. But one of the principal ones could be the government coming and saying, "Let me let me have the ability to flip the switch on how goods can get to your door, because then they can flip that switch off if you don't behave." Mm-hmm. And if, yeah, I mean, it could, 
who knows? We'll we'll see how it goes. I mean, obviously, this is you know one good solution to this is don't have labor unions because we all have the internet and it's 2022. And when was the last time a labor union did anything that wasn't just push Democrat talking points, steal their own workers' money to fund rich Democrats to keep running and doing nothing for the workers? But you know, I mean. You, you, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. But that's going to be it for this week. Um, be sure to go to subscribestar.com forward slash wrongthinkradio, where you can subscribe for $2.99 a month and join our Discord and all of that. And as always, send us any messages on any of our many social media accounts. Let us know what you guys are thinking. I'm Aaron from the East Coast. I'm Alan from the West Coast. And this is Wrong Think Radio. See you all next week. Yeah.